I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Kia ora and welcome once again to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Plenty of footy to chat as the Rugby Championship kicks back into gear after a weekend off. All, of course, in the context of the Rugby World Cup, which is getting closer and closer. And this weekend, we've got the Bledisloe Cup at the MCG of all places. An outstanding ground to go and watch some rugby. A ground that's been pretty good to the Wallabies. Two out of three against the All Blacks there, the professional era. So... We'll talk a fair bit of that. We'll also touch on the box for Argentina. We've got a couple of special guests on the show. One, Samasoni Taukiaho. Uh, the other one, we'll reveal in just a second. But joining me, to my left, Bryn Hall. Mm. Good to have you in, mate. Very good to be here. Very good to be here. Of course, Chipper's away. Chipper yes. is in the United States having a wonderful time. I think we'll probably bring up some photos of him at the Mets and all yep. sorts of places doing uh, professional development. But while he's away, we've got ourselves a really good guest from across the Tasman, 110 Test Wallabies halfback, Will Genia. Thanks for joining us, mate. Appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. How's things going over there heading into this uh, Test match on the weekend? A lot of chat in Brizzy where you are? There is a bit of excitement. I think Eddie, Eddie Jones is a topic character that tends to generate <laughs> that with a lot, of his, uh, a lot of the remarks that he makes in, in the media. But... Um, you know, every year it comes around, it's our chance to finally get the Bledisloe Cup back, so we're excited. We always are. So maybe let's start there. Do you feel, considering there's a new coach, considering there's a bunch of new players, um, are the Wallabies veering in the right direction in the context of the World Cup? I mean, the results probably suggest that that's not the case, but the one thing I do know about Eddie is he plans things out very meticulously, and I think the, the biggest change I think he'll bring to the group is is he'll bring a winning mindset, and I think... Very, very similar to what Michael Checker did when he came in at the end of 2014 before the 2015 World Cup. They've, they've both got a very unwavering self-belief. And I think that's the biggest thing that I think he'll instill into this group. And like I said, the, the results probably haven't gone his way in terms of suggesting that we're on the right track. But I think it, it, he sort of touched on it a bit. You've you, you got to be patient. Like he's come in not having been involved in the Australian rugby system, I think since 2007. So he's he, not only is he trying to bring in a new style of play, but he's trying to get back in, into his groove in, in regards to the, the play, like the culture, the, 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 the mindset of the player. And I think you've, you've, he's obviously inherited a Wallaby group that hasn't had success for a long period of time now. So a big part of, I think, wanting to fix that is not just the, the way that they want to play, but also the mindset around that, that, our rugby as well. Even when Dave Rennie was there, and even, even the, the short amount that Eddie's been there, it's the amount of mistakes that the Australians are making. Now, I know they made a, a transition in their, in their attacking structures because I think under Dave Rennie, we felt in this podcast that they played a lot and that kind of kick balance was probably a little bit off. But 
obviously with the English style and playing for field position and being able to back your defence and, I guess, go through that way. How do they fix the unforced errors? Because we've been talking around that. Is it just time? Because obviously it's a new group, it's new coaching staff, and it's going to take them time to then get to the World Cup. But it's just an area that I think the last two years, it's been a massive, I guess, detriment to Australian rugby. To be brutally honest, I don't think our skill level is probably up to, up, up to scratch. And I think that's probably been the case for a number of years. And I'm not going to put that purely on this current crop of Wallaby players. But if you look at in recent years gone by and you compare us to sides like the All Blacks or sides like Ireland and, and, and France, our skill level probably hasn't been up to scratch. And like I had a good chat with Simon Karevi about it. And he was someone that really enjoyed the way Dave Rennie wanted to play the game. And it evolved a lot of moving parts around decision-making and skill execution. And I asked him point blank, is, is it a case of there was the game too, game game style too complicated or was it just the skill level wasn't up to scratch? And he said it was probably probably a combination of both, but leaned more towards saying that it was our skill level that probably wasn't up to scratch to be able to execute under pressure uh, in, in big moments. So, you know, someone like Eddie coming in, a lot of people spoke about we probably kicked too much in that first test against South Africa, but... You know, I, I don't know whether he's trying to change the psyche of the players. Like I had a conversation with someone about this where we were, did he want to kick a lot in that game to be able to change our, our mindset towards wanting to find balance with kicking? Because Australia, as Australian rugby players, we, we probably haven't found that balance in years gone by where we look to use the ball a little bit too much. Mm. So maybe, you know, is, is, is it a long-term plan where let's look to kick the ball a little bit more than we can rein it in as we get closer to the World Cup? Uh, but then we played against Argentina and it probably wasn't necessarily the kick run balance. It was more a case of just, again, skill execution and decision making under fatigue and under pressure. So uh, it's in terms of the work on sport, I mean, again, Eddie's spoken about it in the media. It's just about trying to change habits and you change habits by just putting in the work. So it's going to take time. And um, he's spoken a lot about being a smash and grab job because of the fact that he's come in very uh, late at the piece to try and get to the World Cup. But I think he, he understands well and truly that he's there to fix up uh, fix things up as well. It's, it's, it's a smash and grab job, but essentially it's a fix-up job as well, I think. So what's the genesis of that skill level? Is that just the way that the development's going through age groups up to the Wallabies, or why is that skill level not quite there? Mate, it's probably a combination of things. I think it probably is. That, uh, like Probably the way the kids are being taught how to play the game in school, Like it's probably a bit more about system footy and a bit more robotic as opposed to teaching, teaching skills, you know, teaching decision-making, Teaching, teaching kids to play heads up footy. And then you also got to remember, like we're in competition with team sports like NRL, soccer, cricket, AFL, and in particular rugby league, get, they probably get the pick of the athletes. Um, and, and so that obviously plays its part in, in um, I guess, the development of skills moving forward uh, in the game. Eddie Jones's goal when you'd have to think the Wallabies is to be able to peak come World Cup time. You've talked about it on your podcast, actually, mate. I listened to that with Gits around them um, having the better side of the draw and possibly winning the World Cup. But I guess for you and seeing them and being in that environment, what are the areas that you think that are the big rocks that they can kind of get done quickly to then be able to go to a World Cup and win a World Cup? What are the areas that you think that a couple that they might need to improve on that they haven't been able to do the last couple of years? I'd say work off the ball. I think we, we probably get caught too many times when we've made errors, we're very slow to react. And teams like New Zealand, for example, this weekend, teams like on your teams like your, 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 the France, France as well, they're going to kill you in transition if you turn the ball over and, and make mistakes and, and you don't re react quick enough. And likewise, on the other side of the ball, when when teams make, make mistakes against us, we've got to be able to react quicker to be able to play better transition rugby. I think we're a little bit slow in that regard because, I don't again, maybe it's a decision-making thing or a skill-level thing 
uh, but it's a habit that I think that we need to change and we need to be better at. And that's probably, the, mate, that's probably the biggest one that I can sort of see. And then the other one is probably just, I think just a physical battle. Like you, you look, you look at the All Black game against the um, the Springboks that they, they just played. You know, people spoke a lot about the tempo and how they played at such high speed. But for me, it was the physicality that set that that, that set the tone for them. Um, like you can't play high tempo, high speed rugby unless you win those collisions. And it just seemed like the All Blacks went out with a real emphasis on wanting to take the Springboks on in that space. And so I think that's also another area that we need to be better. We need to be better at dominating the collisions and allowing us to play off some front football. And likewise in defense, you know, putting pressure on teams in that space as well. Because we've had a lot of conversation around our loose four trio and being able to get that kind of, um, I guess, breakdown physically and winning those collisions um, more consistently. Where do you find your best loose four trio is with, um, with the Wallabies? Because I think Rob Valentin, Valentini, obviously, is a guy that you'd pencil in there straight away. But then the likes of, obviously, Pete Samu not being selected, it's a real, mm. it's a real interesting thing why he wouldn't be selected there. Because we think the biggest sizes, you've got Hooper and McWright, who are more the features and your traditional features. But do you feel that's an area that you need to have bigger bodies? I know they've got Skelton and Arnold that they've bought back from the French um, in Japan. But is that an area where you think they need to be a little bit bigger, possibly? No, definitely. Oh, like for me, a huge head scratcher why Pete Simon was left out of the squad. I think he's been a, such a consistently good player for the Wallabies in the last couple of years. Granted, he's played a lot of his footy off the bench, but no, I think the way Test rugby is going, you, 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 I don't, I don't necessarily think you need a fetcher as much as you did in years gone by. I'd rather have size because the thing about it is you can slow the opposition's ball down two ways, right? If you're a David Pocock style player, you can put pressure on the ball and slow it down, or you can slow it down by winning those collisions with bigger bodies, making dominant tackles, uh, flooding the ruck and, and slowing it that way as opposed to getting someone over the ball. And I think I'd much rather go the, the route of having the bigger bodies, particularly in that background, slowing the ball down that way. Um, and I think the All Blacks seem to have got their loose trio combination. I think we're still searching at the moment. Um, I think Hoops, Hoops probably wouldn't be happy with the way that he played in that first Springbok game uh, in, in South Africa. Um, and it, look, he's a world-class player and I know he'll bounce back, but he, he probably, you know, he looked like he was carrying some sort of injury with his shoulder and he, he probably didn't win the collisions as much as he would have liked. But yeah, look, I, I like the look of um, Valentini at number eight. Uh, Robbie Liotta's coming back. I like the look of him at six. He's a big body. He's dynamic in the carry. Loves the physical stuff. And yeah, my, my pick would have been Pete Samuel at seven. Um, just to give him an opportunity. Again, someone who enjoys the physical battle. He's don't, he, He's got good, he, he's dynamic in the ball carry as well. And he's, he creates a lot of opportunities with offloads in that space. And I think we've got to get that balance right because you look at the All Blacks, the, I think the player that I've been honestly really, really impressed with is, is Scott Barrett. I think he's been incredible. His, his ability in the ball carry, uh, he probably doesn't get spoken about enough. His ability in the ball carry, he's always, he's always looking to dominate that physical space. And we probably need a little bit more of that from our second row as well, you know, Big Willie and, and, uh, and Richie Arnold. I rate him really, really highly. For whatever reason, he seems to be someone who always he's always moving onto the ball with pace in the carry. He's got a huge engine, and because he's he's solid in the carry, he has the ability to create offloads as well. I think they've got a really nice balance there. Obviously, Sam Whitelock is an absolute legend of the game. He has to come back as well, uh, and you've got to find ways to fit him in. But I, I don't know. I've I, I really liked the way that they've looked that and that forward pack has functioned. Scott, I think Scott Barrett's been excellent. And, and obviously Frizzell was phenomenal on the weekend as well. Looking at the Wallabies again, obviously you've got Nick White, seems like a lock at halfback. Quade Cooper seems like the number one option at 10. 15 is a bit of a question, isn't it? 
and it seems like over the last few years there hasn't really been a strong decision on who that guy is. Yeah, look, it's been an area that we've definitely struggled with. And, you know, Tom Wright, I think he was very good during Super Rugby, uh, but he, he hasn't probably taken his opportunities at test level and, 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 you know, Eddie's obviously let him go from the squad. So it obviously is an area that they're, they're searching for. Um, but I think what helps is Andrew Kellaway coming back. I think he's probably the best suited to that role because of his all-round game. He's good under the high ball. He's a good kicker of the ball. And he's a natural fullback, so he understands his positioning in both defense and in attack. So I'd say he's probably going to get an opportunity. Uh, Jordan Bataille is another one. He, he played fullback for the Reds. Um, uh, before he was injured and he, he, he was looking really good. So, again, it's one of those things where it's probably a bit of a trial and error at the moment and looking to find not only our best 33 for the World Cup, but our best, you know, 15, essentially. I think we're still looking for those um, for those players. And just also touching on, mate, obviously being a halfback and playing a, a few test matches for the Wallabies in your time, there's been talks around Tawara Kubalo, you know, possibly coming in and um, he's obviously been able, he's got that Australian side to him. Do you think a guy like that, considering how well he's actually playing over in the European um, championship at the moment. Um, would you bring him in, or do you like what you see with the three halfbacks that you've got at the moment? Obviously, with Nick White, McDermott, as well, and Lonigan. Mate, that's a that, that's a tough one. Obviously, he's he's eligible to play for the Wallabies. He's, I mean, he's he's won a World Cup for the All Blacks. So I can't see why <laughs> he, he would want to. And, I, and I'm just being honest, whether that's right or wrong. Um, but it's obviously something you can you consider because of his performances in uh, the European competition uh, and how he's been playing for yeah, playing in France. But I, I think we, we've got good cattle. I, I really do. I think we, at the moment, with our nines and tens, like you'd say, Quaid's definitely the number one playmaker, I think. But I think what we have to figure out is the balance between playing off nine and ten. Mm-hmm. I think at the moment, we, we don't really know what that is. We, we, we're probably playing a little bit too much off nine, and we're not allowing someone like Quaid to have um, time with ball in hand. I think you've seen that when Tate comes on, he's probably his first instinct is probably to, to get the ball to Quaid. Uh, and it allows Quaid time and space to be able to play with a bit more, uh, play a bit more with the ball and, and, and in attack. Whereas I think probably when Whitey's been on, he's, he's uh, uh, it seems like we've, we're not, we've not got the balance right. We're probably playing too much on nine. And Quaid Cooper's always seemed like a guy who's at his best when the ball is in his hands. It, again, it's a difficult one because you're right. At the Brumbies, predominantly they play off nine with the big forward pack. They're rolling around the corner and then they, and then they release the backs. But I think. Quaid's, again, like you, you, the way you say, Quaid's the type of player that needs a ball in his hands. But just re- irrespective of the guys in the jerseys, at, at that level, at test rugby level, you've got to have balance. If you start playing too much of nine, it's easy to defend because you see it against teams like the Springboks and the All Blacks. They, they just muscle up and you, and you don't, you, you stop getting over the game line and it just becomes difficult. What creates those half seams and half opportunities is, is if you get the balance right between nine and 10. And then when you speak about the individual players themselves, Quaid, Quaid needs the ball in his hand because. He's such a good decision maker. He's got great vision. Mm. And you want to be able to play to those strengths. And so it's going to be crucial that they find the balance. Um, and maybe it's having tough conversations amongst themselves as playmakers, which I'm sure they'll have. Um, but the good thing is we've got time. Like we obviously want to, we, we want the Bledisloe Cup, but you know the, the, the ultimate goal is a World Cup. So we've got time to have those conversations and hopefully find that balance. Just with Quaid as well, you've played a lot of footy with him at the Reds um, for the Wallabies and also even at Kintetsu now. Um, how have you found his, his transition? Obviously, we came on the um, for, for the New Zealand viewers, obviously, was a bit of an, an arch enemy with Richie McCall for such a long period of time. But just watching from afar, not knowing him really well, you obviously know him a lot better than we do. He seems that he's just, he knows who he is, and he's matured, um, and he seems like he's, he's pretty comfortable in his own skin. 
And he's at an age where he's 34, but he's playing. Looks like he's about he's 25. The way he has a shirt off and looks just like <laughs> you, an old Will Guinea as well. Back in the day. Um, but just give us an insight to uh, why he's you know he's really turned a corner and obviously he's a leading 10 in the Wallabies at the moment. I think he hit the nail on the head, mate. He's just comfortable in his own skin. You, you, like as a as a young young uh, professional rugby player, like he come onto the scene when he was 18. He was contracted when he was 17. You sort of try to live up to the hype a little bit. And you know when we won the competition in 2011 at the Reds. You know, a lot of that, a lot of what we were doing was based off just in, instinctual rugby, where you play what you see and you, you play with your God-given abilities. And you know, he, up, after that, he'd had injuries, he'd fallen out with um, coaches, and he'd not, he'd sort of fallen out of favour in the Wallaby squad, the Reds, and whatnot. And I think for him, he could have got one, one, gone one or two ways. You know, kept blaming the world for all his problems and and whatnot. But he, he chose to take responsibility and be accountable for his actions. And I think in doing that, he just he's he's, he's learned who he is as a person. He, he's grown from that. He knows who he is. He's comfortable in his skin, uh, and 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 you just see that not only in the maturity of him as a man, but obviously in the maturity of him as a player now. Um, and I think that's really coming through in terms of how he's leading this young Wallaby group. Uh, and I think he'll be a really important piece for them moving forward into the World Cup. Especially for a nine or ten, will you'll know this as well. It's the physicality and the collision area. Mm. And I think you know the best Quade Cooper we've seen when his time with the Reds and Will was at nine or just in general. Um, when the forwards are going forward and you're winning those collisions consistently, and you've been able to get over the advantage line in teams that aren't set and been able to bring line speed and pressure, then I think that's we're going to be able to see um, the best of Quade Cooper. Not just Quade Cooper, but the likes of um, the outside backs. You know, Marky Mark, Cora, Betty, those guys been able to give them one-on-one opportunities and been able to whether whether that's through a kick or a pass or running through Quade. Um, but I think the collision area, especially the MCG, if they can get that right, then I think um, it'll open up for Quaid, I think, a little bit better, I reckon. But, but that's the other thing. You've got to change the picture as well. If, if, you can, if you're constantly presenting the same picture to the defence, it becomes easy. And Quaid's, a, Quaid's actually, he's, he's a master of that. He's a master of being able to change the picture based on what the, the, the opposition give him in terms of the defence, whether it's a cross kick, play nice and early, get a second touch. I think, Bryn, you, you said it perfectly. Like, you've got strike weapons outside as well. You've got Corabetta, you've got... Um, Karebi, you know, Ikitao's obviously injured, but you've got, um, you know, Mark on the other wing as well, who was exceptional against Argentina. Mm. So the ability to be able to give those guys ball with time and space, I think, is important. And so that's why it's really important that we find the balance and we're not just playing too much of nine. Mm, but you've got some time, probably more than any other team. And I think that's the big chat about the Wallabies, right? And that, that pool allows you more time to figure yourselves out. You know, was it Wales, Georgia, Fiji? that pool allows you maybe to get towards the end of pool play before you've got all of these bits in place in comparison to the All Blacks that hit France first up. You know what I mean? That there is that, there is that allowance that Eddie Jones has got. Mate, we've definitely got time. Like, And we also don't have the burden of expectation. The All Blacks, you, you guys, the expectation is you have to win every game, regardless of um, what's at stake. So we've definitely got time. And, and you know, in my experience, like well, I was fortunate enough we went to the final in 2015. You don't want to be at your best at the start of the World Cup. You want to be at your best at the back end of the tournament. And it sounds incredibly simple, but essentially you want to build and build and build and build. And because we're lucky, we're very fortunate with the draw uh, and the pool that we're in. You know, potentially we play Argentina uh, in a quarterfinal. I mean, they, it allows us the opportunity to, to build and ex- not, not experiment, but just, again, have those tough conversations, find that balance, find the right people in the right positions and 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 cement down the style of play that we want to we want to be playing at Rugby World Cup. Because we're talking around, we talk around cohesion and being able to get the um, the 23 right and getting guys in certain positions to feel comfortable and have that, I guess, time in the saddle. I, I think by the time the first game comes at Rugby World Cup, you want to know who your players are. Mm. You want to know what your, your 23 is going to be. And then throughout the 
the competition, like whether you play against the lesser teams, then you give other blokes an opportunity uh, to get some game time in case there is injuries. But once you get to that first game, you know who your 23 is right throughout the competition uh, and you gear everything towards making sure that they, the, they're, there's cohesion, they're gelling, they're getting better and combinations are improving as we get throughout the tournament. That seems like the interesting thing because there's been 38 debutants for the Wallabies since the last World Cup. That's been kind of the crutch, hasn't it? That ability to continuously build cohesively over time just simply hasn't been there, whether it's injuries or whatever it is. Yeah, there's been injuries, there's been changes of um, coaches, change of playing style and, and things of that nature. And um, so that definitely makes it difficult. But again, uh, someone like Eddie coming in, I think he's he, 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 he plans things so meticulously. So I think everything that, obviously we would have wanted the results in the first two games, but he's a type of coach that I know has everything planned out to perfection. And I know he will have in his mind who his 23 are, there's a couple of guys that can play themselves in a position, like obviously Mark um, has done with uh, Sully Vunivalu not having played as well as he would have liked to. But yeah, I think he'll have in his mind who his 23 are going to be. Uh, and it's just a case of hoping that they get through, like guys like Quaid and Sami play a bit more rugby because they're coming off the back of injuries and they get through unscathed and so they're ready come um, you know, that first pool game. Just like to know your experience playing test level. Um, we talk around giving guys opportunities and I guess running out of test matches to be able to do that. Would you start a guy like Cam Roygaard and give him the opportunity to prepare well and I guess understand what the week's going to look like? Or would you rather be bringing him off the bench and just a 20-minute cameo? In the context of this game, if I'm an All Blacks coach, I'm probably picking my strongest team for this game and wanting to lock away the Bledisloe Cup. And I'll probably pick someone like a Roygaard on the bench and give him maybe 20 minutes at the end and then potentially start him in the second one if, if indeed the All Blacks do do, do lock away the blitters. I think um, you guys have a different level of pressure on, 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 on your performances than we do because you're always expected to win. And so it's, it's such a fine balancing act between giving guys the opportunity to play and also risking not winning because obviously you, you, you're introducing all this debutants. You've got to find the balance between that but then also making sure that you win. So if, if you're asking me what I'm doing, I'm probably giving him... I, I thought he was exceptional throughout the season, Roy Gard. So I, I definitely would love to see him giving, put him in, in position, get an opportunity in high-pressure stakes being this Bledisloe game, but probably off the bench. And then he, if, if you lock it away, then he potentially gets a start uh, in, in that second test in Dunedin. So if you face the All Blacks' top 23, which I'm imagining would be relatively close to the team that took on the Springboks... Um, is that a team that you feel the Wallabies right now have the opportunity to knock over in Melbourne? <laughs> no, you're putting me on the spot here. Um, uh, my heart tells me yes because I, I'm, I'm a proud Wallaby, right? I, 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 love, I love my team. Um, and I'll say I, I agree with Eddie in this regard when he spoke in the press conference. He... The, the, the All Blacks have been so dominant in the first two test matches, particularly in the early parts of the game, that they've almost set themselves up for the victory by being so good at the start. The key for us will be able to put them under pressure at the start of the game and see how they respond. Uh, and I think that's going to be really crucial. We're going to have to start well and look to put them under pressure, whether that's through the physical collision and looking to dominate that space or play field position and territory and put them under pressure to make them exit. Uh, and if we can do that... Um, but if we can do that, we've got quality players. You've got guys like Taniola Tupra coming back, Angus Bell coming back. Again, Quaid, he's, he's better for the run. Samu's better for the run. Um, so I think it, it's, it, that's the real key thing for us. But the thing I'll say in sort of 
in respect to that as well is when I watched that game against the Springboks, the All Blacks, that, that reminded me of the All Blacks teams of old from like 2011, 2015, where, mate, when they get a roll on, there's almost nothing that you can do. Like I played in plenty of test matches against teams with like your Nonus, your McCaws, your Carters, your Aaron Smiths. I remember being in games where you felt so helpless and watching that first 20 minutes, it felt like it was one, like the All Black teams of old. And so if they, can, if they, mate, if they get a roll on like that, it's going to be a tough night for us. But I think if we can get a good start, put them under pressure and have, make them react to tough situations, we'll give ourselves a chance. And saying that, you guys have started well in both games. Yeah. That hasn't been a problem. Yeah, we have. And, and that, that, that's going to be key again uh, against, uh, against the All Blacks. And it'll be a big occasion. There'll be a lot, a lot of pressure on both teams, but I think a lot of pressure on the All Blacks as well. You know, you often hear them speak about they don't want to be the first team that, that gives the, the Bledisloe like a cut back. And so if, you, if we can start well, you hopefully put them under pressure and you start getting into the psyche of them thinking about that. You know, it can be a night that potentially goes our way, but it's going to be real crucial that we start well and not allow them to dictate tempo and pace, particularly uh, because of that physical confrontation. Brent, from your point of view, when you look at what the Wallabies have done over the last couple of test matches, where do you think it's fallen off from a crazy good start and it's just fallen off slightly to stop them from being in that game continuously? I think it's just the amount of, sometimes the errors and then the discipline, you know, like if you're going to give teams opportunities with your discipline errors, you know, and a lot of times, unfortunately, we've heard these conversations, it's, you know, it's 11, 12, 13 penalties, it's a yellow card. And so when you're playing against where the margin of error is so small, you can't give teams like the All Blacks, South Africans, opportunities like that. But at the same time, I think when they've had success against the All Blacks, they've been able to repel, and you're not always going to have momentum. Like, look, the All Blacks will have momentum at some stage, or the Wallabies will have momentum at some stage, but it's not been able to be in a snowball effect where you're giving away 14, 21 points a yellow card and consistently putting yourself under pressure. And the times that the Australians have done well, they've won the physicality, the collision battle, but they've been able to win momentum. The All Blacks have won a little bit of momentum there, and it's been a a real dogfight where it gets to the the later parts of the match. Like, you look at last year, Foley, obviously, with the ref being able to do it. But if that penalty's not done, then when they win that test match, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's because they were able to win moments, the All Blacks won moments, and it was a ding-dong battle. And you put fear into the All Blacks around, can we actually win this game? It's not like Will was talking about the first 20 minutes when we've already won the game and we can be able to not have momentum for 20 minutes and give away 14 points, but we're still in the lead. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's for the Australians to really stay in those moments and just continue to keep fighting, keep putting them in difficult situations, difficult questions where they're thinking to themselves, oh, we haven't felt this before because they haven't felt it mm. this series, you know? So I think and the Australians have shown that they can do that, especially the MCG or even in Australia. That's where they tend to have those kind of, that kind of success in repelling the All Blacks. MCG, you played in Melbourne for a couple of years, not at the MCG, Will, but um, you played there for a couple of years. How is rugby in Melbourne building at the moment? Is it, is it growing? Is it starting to get there? Because, I mean, obviously they're up against it with, with all these rules, but is it getting there? I, I can't... I can't you, you, it's hard to explain unless you actually go there and you live there, but everybody lives and breeds AFL. The thing about rugby, there's really passionate people there that love the game, that continue to work on growing participation and, um, you know, attendances at games. But it's, it's, it's an incredibly tough market to crack. Like the, the Melbourne Storm um, had done incredibly well so to have this, the to have the membership sales that they have and have the crowd attendances, but it's all built off the back of success. And I think if rugby wants to continue to grow, that it's going to need the Rebels to do well. Were you heading along <laughs> to the G and supporting Hawthorne or whoever the hell was playing? I, I, I didn't end up getting to a game, but I, I remember when we, we'd have some games on on Friday night when there were when there were AFL games on across the road, 
and we probably had like 2,000 people there and you'd have like 100,000 people at the game next door. <laughs> and then uh, you just knew there was an AFL game on because the, the, the city stops and you've just got people walking around um, just in their AFL jerseys. I remember it was, it was almost like it was a Rugby World Cup. It, uh, it was on. It was that type of... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Atmosphere. Where do you find there can be an area where rugby can, I guess, get those people where they can be able to be better in that space and when you know, there's more investment, there's more, I guess, buzz around like there is the NRA. What are the areas? Does it come back to the grassroots? Does it come back to the schooling system? Is there anything that you think they could do a bit better in Australia at the moment around that? And NRL is just incredibly, it's marketed incredibly well. Like it's free to air television. But I just think like you look at the way that the commentary is around the game, but not only the game, but their players. When you hear them speak about the game, they speak about it being the greatest game in the world. Mm. Uh, we've got the greatest athletes like Addo, Addo Carr's the fastest man in the world. You know, they, they build the individuals up, they build their profiles up. And again, it's free to air, so it's, it's accessible to everyone. Whereas rugby is almost like it's a niche market because You've got to have a stand subscription here to be able to watch the game. It's probably not spoken about in the similar light as what rugby league is. It's not advertised in the same way. Um, and I think going back to what you're saying as well, there's probably needs to be a bit more investment into the grassroots level of the game. Uh, that's where I think we can really grow um, participation and attendance because, you know, club rugby here is really, really strong. You know, we tried to create the NRC to rival what you guys have over there uh, with the ITM Cup. Was it the NPC? I'm not too sure, but um, it, it probably didn't. It wasn't successful because we weren't, we weren't able to tap into the club, tap into clubland grassroots rugby. So there certainly needs to be a bit more investment into the game there. Um, and then again, yeah, just just the way that we market the game. Like we, the, I don't know if you guys have seen it. The boys, Matt Guido, Drew Mitchell, and Adam Ashikuba, they're doing a podcast around what it's called the Good, Bad, the Rugby mm-hmm. Australia version. Like we need a bit more of that type of stuff where the game. Not necessarily where it's just all about like taking the piss and being jovial and things like that, but the game is spoken about in a different light where it, it attracts a different audience and brings different people to the game. And I think that's a good start for us. But yeah, I really think the game needs to be marketed in a, in a, in a, in a better way. Uh, just more fun? Is that is that it? Just taking yourself less seriously or a bit more hype? Yeah, I think both. Like I, I think both. Like there's a perception of rugby here being like a uh, posh sport like a private school sport you know where it's only played in like the the rich schools uh and it that that perception's probably um you know it, it, it people continue to sort of keep that perception alive in the way that the game is spoken about you know so i think yeah i think it needs to be 
yeah, it, it just needs to be marketed better in terms of the hype around it, but also, yeah, ch- change that perception around it being just a private school, rich boy type of sport. Hearing that from Will around, you know, the marketable ability, because I love, you know, I look at the state of origin, Will, you know, you're obviously a big, you know, probably a Queensland fan, but Mate. the amount of marketing, the advertising that they do for that, as a Kiwi, you're like, man, I, want, I can't wait for the state of origin, and it's only three games of the year. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So Gus Gould, you know, I remember when he used to talk for a hype-up game, you know, <laughs> Geez, he'd get me goosebumps, yeah. you know what I mean? So um, the market beer is a really good one because I've been wanting to know for a long time why, you know, um, how you can be better in that space and, you know, it's a very good solution around what that looks like, definitely. Mm. Just the way that they market the origin is a great example because there'd be people who don't even watch rugby league that would just want to watch it <laughs> because of the hype, the, the, the advertisement, because of the way they speak about it. It's like gladiatorial and mm. I, I love it. I, there's times where I prefer watching the, the rugby league <laughs> than over like some of the super, super stuff. So... I think that's a big area of growth for us. Uh, but to your point around the All Blacks as well, like winning helps, mate. If we've got a can, if we've got a con- consistently successful Wallaby team, yeah. that floods right down through Super Rugby, floods down through the clubs, through grassroots. There's obviously more money for investment, more interest from people to to, to be able to invest into the game. And so, I think it's also crucial that we uh, we focus on the on-field product. You know, the Wallabies being successful and playing well, and the benefits that will come from that as well. Now, do you think that? sustainable with five Australian teams. We're pretty lucky in New Zealand, our five fr- franchises, we've obviously got Mono Pacifica at this, at this moment, that's under that bracket. But do you think it's possible for Australia to be competitive to have five Super Rugby teams? Is it three or is it four? I know you went through that time when the force were there, they got kicked out. Like, you know, what does it look like? Mate, I'm going to be honest, I don't think we, we, we have the talent to be able to field five or even four teams. Mm. I, I'm probably going to cop a bit of criticism, a bit of hate for that, but I, I really don't. I think, um, and I'm not going to say which team should be kicked out or whatever. Like, I just think it's pretty obvious that we don't based on the results of the individual teams. But also, if you look at the competition as a whole, where all the teams have finished and where all the teams sit, New Zealand dominate. You know, the we, and it's it's also then reflected, I guess, in our Wallaby performances in in recent years. You know, we've been so inconsistent. You know, you look at the European Championship at this stage, you know, the credibility of the, the, of the tournament, mm. do you know what I mean? Like, you look at the Super Rugby Pacific at the moment, you almost know pretty much, other than the Brumbies, um, that when a New Zealand team plays an Australian team at this moment, you're looking pretty much how much are they going to win by. And that's no disrespect, but that's just more so the facts of how the credible the competition is at the moment. And so, for me, if I'm a consumer watching that, you know, you looked at the first part of our um, season when we were playing, we weren't playing derbies, we played at the first part of the, the season with the New Zealand derbies and the Australian derbies, getting good buy-in from both countries. And then you had that little period around five, six weeks where New Zealand teams were playing Australian teams and people weren't turning out. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I think, you know, I think Australian rugby have to be, someone has to be courageous in that, in that environment to be able to say, look, the three teams, if we can have three strong Australian teams, they're going to play consistently more rugby. They'll be playing better against New Zealand rugby teams, the Super Rugby franchises. And then hopefully that leads into the Wallabies, mm. being able to then, you know, have the cream of the crop playing consistent good footy and, I guess, beating the New Zealand teams more consistently. Yeah. And hopefully that means that maybe they pick up the Bledisloe Cups. No, 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 I don't think that. No? Hopefully, no. no. Well, I like it but over that's here. Not good, that's not good for the competition, <laughs> I like eh? Yeah, I like it over here. Yeah, you're you know, allowed to Ross. improve as long as you don't improve. As long as you don't, win the, as, you, as long as you don't win the Bledisloe. <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. Come on, guys. You've had it for too long. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Hey, Will, thank you so much for your time, mate. We really appreciate it. No, no worries. I appreciate you having me, man. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the test match. We'll be seeing one of these guys coming up in the test match. Samasoni Taukiaho is one of our players who we caught up with in our series of All Blacks that we're catching up with in the lead into the World Cup. This is Samasoni. 
Come on, Chip. <laughs> no, mate. Ross, 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 come on. No, no, it's the first time I've had a hooker in, mate. You must oh, no, be very I'm frothing. excited. Uh, a really quality one at that, too. So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's even better. <laughs> mate, World Cup year. The French trip is on the horizon. Let's start with that, mate. You've played over there. Yeah. You know, obviously the French are first up. Um, what's it like? Really passionate um, crowd. Um, not just the game there, but like pairing up during the week, they're just right behind their team and, and they're just chanting and really vocal, loud. But it's not just like in the start, it's like the whole game. So mm. obviously they're, I'm not too sure what they're drinking, but they're always having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> that was sort of the game that probably put your test career on the map and yeah. not to get into rugby uh, that I just can't help myself. Um, but. I suppose the facets of the game that you've always been strong at is ball carry, defence, you know, you're scrummaging, but the one area that has just gone from strength to strength is your throwing. Like, yep. um, what, what sort of changed in that environment? Because even when you went back to the Chiefs, it's just been, you know, money ball um, yep. since you've joined the All Black environment. Um, I think for me, Chippa, was just like the confidence. Um, obviously, you can practice as much as you can, but the top two inches, if you're, if you're not thinking you're confident enough to execute um, a throw, then there's no point of, for, for me, it was just like, you can practice for a hundred ball, they keep telling you for a hundred ball a day and a thousand something a week or whatever, but yeah, it just comes down to being able to execute that um, skill set under pressure. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think in the All Blacks environment, they, um, they obviously set up like the lineup that suits a person, obviously my first game was coming in, they kept it really simple mm. and um, just kept, kept building my confidence and um, yeah, I think that's what helped me really well to obviously get better and better. It's just having the confidence in, the, in my ability to execute it, but also having world-class locks around me and um, going to the All Blacks with Brody, Scooter, Sam Whitelock and obviously going back to the Chiefs, you still got um, Brody there, and then you've got the likes of Tupo and Josh Lord, um, Naito as well, like big men that mm -hmm. just give you that more room to to throw to. So, um, but yeah, for me it was just more the confidence thing. So, yeah. did you did you work with that uh, with with Dane and Cody, or was that something you worked with maybe with like a Sam or Brody? Um, I, obviously, with the hooker group, there, um, Dane and um, Cody really helpful. Um, they just pretty much chucked me under their wing and. Um, give me a few tips, obviously, um, with my throwing, just how to get this rotation and little things, like really little things, but um, all adds up to a perfect throw. So mm -hmm. um, Cozy was massive on that, just, um, but not just doing it once, was more repetitive effort and mm -hmm. being able to execute a throw, um, not just once, but like you can hit it 10 times to the mm -hmm. same mark in one go. So. Um, and that, with that, develop confidence that, oh yeah, I, I actually could do it. And then mm. when it comes to the game, it's just like, oh, I've done this the whole week. My, I've been pre building up and mm. been installing all that confidence and it's just let loose and pull the trigger. How do you find that competition? Because obviously you want to play. You're at yeah. the Chiefs and um, you're the incumbent hooker then. It's very easy to be able to play in every single week. How do you find that mentally to be able to stay on when you've got two guys behind you napping in your feet as well? Um, I just find really, I really enjoy the competition and it brings the best out of everyone and mm. um, like for me if I'm on, on my best and then Cody and Cozy then 
whoever gets out there, it's obviously the right choice and um, we back each other, we prepare the, the two that's going out and um, but you always stay ready. Um, mm. The All Blacks pride themselves in um, just preparing to play up until kickoff because anything could happen. My debut was um, on captain's run, I got told that I'll be playing mm. with Cozy and second test was on the warm-up, I got pulled in so um, you're always prepared to play but that competition um, you touch on it's just it just makes everyone a better player and mm. I'm, I'm all for it and whoever gets to play play but it's a whole collective of free hookers we've got a really good good relationship and um, whoever gets the gets the order we're right behind him and when you go sure. off into your little hooking group like yep. what are you doing are you doing green tea like the midfield backs or like what are you what are you guys oh. up to Cozy's a bit of old school, so it's more like just sit around in a circle and <laughs> get it done, yeah, done get and dusted. It done and done and done and dusted and he's yeah, there we go. We we'll yeah. see you in you see you in training. <laughs> but um it's quite good because it's like obviously you have someone like Cozy who's been to the fifteen, the nineteen and oh both of them actually mm. went on through this. So mm. just a lot of experience and from a young player like me it's just can't ask for any more than their experience and they've been there, done there, they've won a World Cup and mm. they've played big, big games and I'll just be a sponge and... Because the last 12 months, especially the breakdown area, it's been a massive improvement in the All Black forward pack and what does that come down to, do you reckon? Um, yeah, well obviously Chase um, come in, it's just a real um, sharp shooter, mm. um, right into the point. Um, a lot of details and you just got to nail your detail but treat everyone the same um coach everyone the same it doesn't matter how how many tests you've played if you played 100 and or it's your first year everyone's on the same pedestal and mm. um just bring that edge i guess and that competitiveness like it brings the best out of everyone and um obviously not like you just put challenge out to people and does obviously like yeah i feel like would you can't get too comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, you're always um, getting better and you always find little things to challenge you about and um, get the best out of you. And I think that's the, for the, from the last 12 months in the forward pack especially, it's just mm -hmm. that, yeah, building that steel. That, um, we talk about the, we always bring like the forwards in the past and what they've been capable of doing and um, they've set that standard, the All Blacks forward pack standard. And, for us, it's just trying to get to to that standard as close as we can, and um, if we if we stay up there and or as close to it, then we'll be doing a good job. So, um, but yeah, it's just probably not being satisfied with what we we've done and what we've achieved, but keep getting better and get that edge and yeah, build that. Um, go back to that dominant forward pack that the All Blacks used to have, and yeah, that bit of steel in them and mm. put fear into the other team. So yeah. He almost looks like, from the outside looking in, to have decluttered or simplified. It's almost like you've got less to focus yeah. on, so you can be more accurate. Is that correct? Yeah, he's really, um, he's really massive on just keeping things really simple. Mm -hmm. So we give like certain tasks to certain players and certain <coughs> roles. So you don't go in there and you're thinking about too many roles. It's like at the moment, it's like if we're defending a more, this is what you're doing give you the time to do it, when to do it, and see a picture, you smack it, and obviously there's a lot of work behind the scene getting all those homeworks and stuff, but for a player like myself, it's like, oh, like, Sonny, this is what you'll be doing, when you're gonna do it, and what picture you're looking for, and I'm just out there looking for that picture and just executing that role, and mm. I'm really, yeah, keeping it really simple, but really effective, so. Was, yeah. was one of those roles, um, 
<laughs> being cold blooded on the weekend because you're one of the <laughs> nicest guys I've ever interacted with after, you know, sort of off the field. But when you cross that white line, uh, Quagga Smith really uh, learnt <laughs> the, uh, the steel uh, aspect um, of, yeah, well, of Sim Sydney. Um, to be honest, I was trying to get the ball because we got a we got a penalty. Yeah. I was trying to see if like to give it to um, Nagi or whoever to just see like if we we're gonna play so fast. But yeah, I was, I was trying to grab grab him to grab the ball, but he was skip leg driving it, and the ball was um, <laughs> what the ball was already obviously the whistle was already pulled. So I was just trying to get the ball. And, yeah. So much of the All Black environment is about the legacy and connecting with that, you know, sort yeah. of knowing where you've come from to know where you yeah. want to get to. And you've had a, a few legends um, yeah. in the environment this year. You've obviously had um, Kevy, which would have been great for yeah. you. Uh, Liam, saw Richie was there yeah. uh, last week. How's that been? And what, what have they sort of contributed? Yeah, um, obviously it's like you just get starstruck sometimes when you, <laughs> when you meet them and it's just like, wow, it's like Kevy. Um, hunger and uh, Liam Messam and Richie, but just having them around there and just someone that has been there and done that, and mm. you can kind of share um, if you want to talk to them and get some feedback or um, just have a yarn and just feel connected to what has been a very um, successful legacy of the All Blacks and they've been a part of that. So just getting to know that a bit more. But then you, we had Conrad Smith as well, and for the backs and. But yeah, it's just been massive for for me as a as a player, and I'm I'm sure I'm talking as on behalf of all of all of the players. I really appreciate them, appreciate them being around. So um, yeah, it's really good. Forecasting for the future, you watch a lot of the French and the Irish. Yeah. Any area that you guys are working on predominantly now that you think is going to be beneficial moving forward to the World Cup? Yeah, I think the breakdown. Um, they're big men over mm -hmm. uh, the French and the Irish. They, they, and they attack that breakdown quite hard and try to slow the ball because um, obviously they know that we like playing with the ball faster. And I think we've just been working on that collision side mm -hmm. of it, just winning that collision, um, getting front football and um, coming from there really because sometimes trainings are real hard <laughs> on Thursdays. But it's good to see, Setting yeah, us up. see, see the set, set us up to go out on Saturday and do the job. So. Nice. You got ten tries already in Test footy. Hookers like Jipper didn't get those opportunities. <laughs> you missed out, Jip. You know, like the, obviously the. I hookers... would have had to have gone at five a test if that was <laughs> yeah, the case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the hookers get the payday. I think you got two on Test debut, didn't you? The hookers get the payday these days. Do you hear yeah. much of these blokes about you know how they didn't get that kind of payday back in the day? I'm not sure, but I think the rolling mall is going quite well. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely been a change yeah. in the yard, isn't it? I think it's uh, the hookers clipped the tickets, but um, seven other blocks are doing the hard mahi up front to <laughs> just get to fall on the line. You've been a little bit humble because I tell you what, between the, the goal line and that 10 metre area, you ball in hand, pretty explosive and dynamic. I quite um, get excited about that. I was just quite excited about I just get excited about ball in hand, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anywhere I'll take hard carries if I have to and mm. run into big walls. I don't really mind doing that. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a great mindset. Cause although, how many minutes did you get uh, against the, the South African side at Mount Smart? Uh, I think I got 30? 30, yeah. Because you, you're one of the players that were high in uh, the carries. Yeah, so I got seven carries in 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, this huge fan over here of Malcolm Marks. Just yeah. Loves oh, yeah. Him. What's it like playing against that guy? Because he looks like an absolute weapon. He's actually like quite built and he's quite tall. So yeah. like scrummaging wise, is he's just got to nail it because uh, he sometimes he can separate you from your connection with the props, mm. and he does that quite well. So, um, but I was quite lucky on the weekend. I had 
netball on one side and big tamari on the other. Yeah. So it was quite safe in well security. Yeah. Well security. Um, yeah, but you just got to nail those finer details and blocking and keeping him up because, mm. yeah, when he came on, he caused a bit of, bit of havoc. So um, quality player. Mm. Uh, obviously, we know um, defensive side of it, over the ball is pretty much... Immovable. Immovable, yeah. You can't <laughs> move him because he just locks in. and got really good technique. But, yeah, for a tall person, he's really good. And around the field, is. He's world class, so. Mm. So he really attacks you at scrum time. Right? Yeah, so they always, yeah, they're big men. So you, you got to get that punch, like Chippa will know more about it, like, right, otherwise, yeah, you can be um, going backwards pretty quick, so. Um, but we've just been nailing there all weekend. I think the boys executed really well mm. on the weekend. Mm. Um, and that, obviously, we start having a new takeaway there more and in their scrum that's kind of their DNA and what, what they set up their game so you take that away from them and you go a long way to getting job done. Just on that, the line out more try, how was Jason Ryan? Have you guys would have had your review? How was he in that review? <laughs> nah, we haven't had our review. No, you haven't but, had it yet? Um, okay. Yeah, he is uh, he definitely won't be happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. It's been a massive growth though. Yeah. yeah. Like man, like the mall is almost a weapon for you guys now yeah. in, in the last twelve months. Yeah, I think we just because that shows, I feel like um, defending uh, a mauler shows how much you care mm. and how much it means to you because you wouldn't want to let someone score in, in the forward pack and just, just shows the dominant forward pack and if you let them in, obviously it's, yeah, Chase doesn't get too happy about it, but <laughs> we'll uh, review and um, take the learnings out of it and move yeah. forward, so, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Summer no Really thank appreciate you. it. Um, obviously, you're around another four years until 2027. So. Yeah, so, um, yeah. yeah. We'll see uh, more of you yeah. on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, uh, yeah, happy to stay on with uh, obviously Chiefs and New Zealand Rugby. And I'm enjoying my footy at the moment and uh, yeah, looking forward to the next four years. We're happy to have you, mate. We're happy to have you for another four years. Yeah, so. awesome. Thanks, mate. Cheers, Cheers mate. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thank you very much to Samasoni Tokiaho for coming on the show. A hell of a rugby player, hopefully one of the stars of the World Cup. Bryn, speaking about the World Cup, mm. in previous years the Japanese have starred. They've come through, they've beaten teams like South Africa, they've put lots of teams on notice. But they're not looking tremendous heading into this off the back of their loss to Samoa. Mm. Yeah, I think it's just a bit of a kind of a tough situation at the moment, I think, considering how much kind of lead-up time that they've had, um, knowing a lot of those Japanese players that um, have been in that environment, um, you'd like to think that they'd be looking a lot better, a lot more smoother, so you almost forgive them for the works 15 and being able to, um, I guess, having two different teams and being able to try to put things together, but, you know, playing against the Samoans, and they would have probably thought that it was a really good opportunity for them to be able to build some confidence, knowing that the South African, sorry, not the South African, the Samoans, was their first game. But, mm. yeah, just the, the areas that I think they're really lacking is they make a lot of mistakes. Crucial times, and I know in Japan at the moment it's very hot and very humid, but the conditions might be playing a bit of a part, but they're just making far too many errors. And, and from that, you look at the All Blacks 15 when they played them in those two test matches, the, the click attack or the, the, the turnover attack that the New Zealanders were able to do and be able to score points from that, um, now, the Samoans didn't do that on the weekend. It was a lot closer, but you know, you'd like to think against the top teams that they can end up playing in the World Cup. If they don't so get that very, very well, um, they can end up having the results, the results like they did against the um, All Blacks 15. Hope was that they would move up from being a team that would win occasional games at World Cup to being a team that could make the playoffs and consistently beat top teams. Mm. When you look at this pool, England, Argentina, Samoa, and then Chile, like, they could come fourth in that pool. 
They could, but at the same time, they could obviously make the playoffs because they have had the experiences of being able to tip up teams the likes of Ireland and then even in other World Cups beating you know the top-tier nations. It's so, you know, it might be a little bit different when they get into that World Cup. And I think coming back to what I'm talking around as in getting the confidence and having that 23 to be able to then continue to try and get some better results in the areas that I've talked about. Um, but look, you look, you said England that you'd have to think is going to go through. It's going to be Argentina, Samoa and themselves that they're going to be able to try play for that second, that second, that second spot. So... Um, yeah, all is not lost, but I think there definitely need to be some shifts in that, in that group moving forward, definitely. Uh, this weekend, the Springboks against Argentina and Johannesburg. We're going to expect, I suppose, some shifts from the Springboks team that played against the All Blacks, but you wouldn't expect there to be that many changes um, because they're going to roll out a plan, I think, again. Um, and this team will probably be out by the time this goes to air. <laughs> but um, where do you think the box need to improve against Argentina? And do you think that Argentina have a shot against the box? Definitely think they do. You know, the Argentinians are very good around that breakdown and collision area. Um, the times that they've beaten the All Blacks or even the Australians as well, for long periods of that Australian Test match, they held onto the ball, were physical and really abrasive at the breakdown, and were able to hold onto the ball, especially in that 22 minutes for five to six minutes, whereas the um, Wallabies only had it for 23 seconds within that first 50 minutes. So if they can hold on the ball and be able to build the um, the phases, um, it's going to be really good for them. But I think for the South Africans, I think it was just more so. Um, you have another team that wasn't um, didn't travel, and I guess the cohesion and um, being a little bit underdone, I think, probably led to that result. So you know they had 12 penalties, they had 11 turnovers. You know that's handing the ball over 20 to 20 to 25 times in a game against an All Black team not going to win a game so you'd have to think they'll, they'll clear that up and um, I'd be really excited you know hearing whispers that possibly Leboc and Willemse are at 10 and 15 I think that's going to be a great way to be able to bring an attacking brand which we love to see and we've talked about we'd love to see them do that um, so if they get those two guys together I'm really looking forward to seeing how they can um, improve that attacking prowess um, but at the same time they do have their DNA they can be really strong in the set piece big ball carriers like we saw against the Wallabies dominating the collision areas um, and I think they'll be a lot better. So it's Springboks beat Argentina? Yep. Um, All Blacks win in Melbourne? I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be tough because, you know, we don't usually travel well to Australia sometimes when we have lost. Um, we've got a formidable record at home, but any time we do go to parts of Australia, it's really tough for us to, um, to win those games. And look... Eddie Jones, um, there's been a lot of talk around him and their all and their, uh, Wallaby group, and you know they'll be hurting, really, really hurting. And you know they have had success in Australia against us, and we've talked around a lot of things that they need to improve on. But you know another week in camp, um, they would have had a bit of time, but they've come in, you know, knowing that all the pressure is on the All Blacks. Um, they haven't won the Bledisloe Cup for 20 years. It's just a foregone conclusion. You're thinking from around the world that the All Blacks are just going to win this game. Um, but again, Eddie Jones will be hopefully. Um, turning up their notch a little bit for the back end of the week, knowing that um, it's a great opportunity for that group to, I guess, rectify a pretty poor start to rugby championship. Yeah, well, they've won the last two at the MCG, 1998 and 2007. New Zealand won the 1997 clash. That is a long time ago, so the context is somewhat different, um, especially the 1998 year when the Wallabies went on to win the World Cup the next yep. year and the All Blacks had a terrible year and didn't. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, like, but to yeah. be honest, like, it's just like... You, you know the Australians, it doesn't take them that much to get that bit of confidence, you know. It might just be one test match, and I think Eddie Jones brought it up in his press conference, whether that's a win or just something that clicks for that group, where they can be able to then um, springboard themselves to the Rugby World Cup, because I think that's what he wants to do. Mm. The growing pains that they're having now that we're seeing, um, if they can have that one win or that one moment that Eddie's really thinking that's going to, I guess, change the Australians and the Wallabies, um, what a better opportunity than to do it um, against the All Blacks and then to have a decider to try and win that Bledisloe Cup. Um, it's all set up for them, I, I believe.
Awesome. Well, thanks for, again, Bryn. No problem. We'll mate. see you again next week. And thank you very much to Will Guinea for coming on the show today and also to Samasoni Taukiaho for coming on, giving us insights into the Wallabies and the All Blacks. We'll catch you again next week, but please get in contact via email, aotearoarugbypod at sky.co.nz or in the comments section on YouTube. We'd love to hear from you and love to get some of your questions in and around what's going on in world rugby, especially looking forward to World Cup year. So we'll catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening if you do it on an audio podcast. And we'd like to see and hear from you again. Mate wa. Well.